Hi, I'm Simon Drew, and welcome to the Practical Stoic Podcast, where I dive deep into the ancient philosophy of Stoicism. If you find value in this podcast, then you can become a patron by going to patreon.com forward slash Simon J.E. Drew. Otherwise, you can head to simonjedrew.com to find my writings, my music, and also information about my one-on-one coaching. But apart from that, I hope you enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome to the Practical Stoic Podcast, and today I've got a real treat for you. We have again on the show Steve Carafit from the Sunday Stoic Podcast, and uh, like last time, we're focusing our conversation around a particular letter from Seneca, in this case, letter number 20, on practicing what you preach. And uh, man, I really enjoyed this conversation, and I'm also really enjoying, you know, getting to know Steve more and getting to know his thoughts on Stoicism and Seneca's writings more, and and just having somebody there to bounce my ideas off, and and he can bounce his ideas off me, and and you know, we often come to some very interesting conclusions as a result of having these conversations based on uh, specific letters from Seneca. So I really hope that you enjoy this one, and uh, I just want to let you know that first, uh, if you haven't ever listened to the Sunday Stoic podcast, which I would find uh, uh, quite surprising seeing as you're listening to this one about Stoicism as well. But if you haven't, then definitely jump over there. It's an amazing show and he does a great job of breaking down Stoicism for the modern listener. And also, uh, this episode was available first to my Patreon supporters. So if you do want to get early access to these kinds of episodes in the future, or if you'd like access to 12 episodes of the Seneca series each month, uh, or access to the meetup groups that we have every fortnight, then just head over to patreon.com forward slash Simon J.E. Drew, and you can get access to all of that good stuff there. Uh, at the same time, as doing a very good thing in supporting this podcast, because this show would not be possible without my incredible Patreon supporters. So, head over there, as I said, patreon.com forward slash Simon J.E. Drew. But other than that, I really hope you enjoy this episode with Steve Carafit from the Sunday Stoic Podcast. All right. So, Steve, awesome to have you here again as a part of our series on uh, on Seneca's writings. And uh, this time I suggested the letter and I thought, Let's dive into letter number 20, even though I'm only just at letter number eight in my actual series. Um, but, uh, you know, this is this is a great letter packed full of wisdom and, and, you know, the title gives it all away, right, on practicing what you preach. And, uh, and so, you know, there's just so many great parts that we can pick apart here and, uh, and, and I'm excited to dive into it with you. But first, uh, for all of those who haven't been privy to our prior conversations, how's it going? What's, what's any exciting updates lately with the podcast? What's been going on? Well, uh, nothing too, too new with the podcast, just uh, trying to get an episode out every Sunday, hence the, yep. the title, The Sunday Stoic, <laughs> obviously. Um, <clears throat> And uh, I've been enjoying uh, interacting with some of my patrons and things occasionally. And uh, and uh, actually, I just had some challenge coins made up that I'm going to give out to some of my patrons. That's a, a Carpe Diem on one side, and then on the back has some Epictetus quotes. And so, uh, yeah, wonderful. That's been kind of fun. And okay. uh, and uh, other than that, just uh, living the dream of uh, being a, a family man. I have a, I have, a, I don't know if everyone knows on your end, but I, I, I'm a, a fairly new dad. I mean, four years now I've been trying to 
figure out how to do this. And, but it's been been an awesome ride so far, and uh, yeah, things are good. How about yourself, Simon? Look, I'm 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 good. You know, like uh, just lots of interesting things happening over here, and um, you know, as usual, I feel pretty guilty that in Australia nothing really is happening with COVID. I'm pretty fortunate, you know, like it's 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 like nothing ever happened here really now, but. Um, uh, but yeah, it's um, th- things are good, and this this Seneca series is um, is rocking my world. You know, it's just so good to just dive deeply into this stuff and to, you know, as as you'll know, right? There's this this idea of which which Seneca actually talked about of you know people learn as they teach. It's it's such a transformative idea, and I find that I really gain so much more out of these writings when I'm forcing myself into a position where I have to gleam something from it and give it to other people right and and well, it's, well we're it's doing with seneca we're doing with seneca what what he did with uh epicurus for example where he's yeah. like hey by the way check out what i read recently and and sharing it with somebody else so yeah exactly yeah and and you know and you i like have- i like the idea that um jim roan talks about he says you know uh, if if you share an idea with 10 other people, then you hear the idea 10 times, but they only hear it once, right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so, that's right. you know, so the more we talk about this, the more we can, um, you know, really understand where he was coming from and the, 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 the deeper ideas that he's getting at and, and, you know, hopefully try to use it in our lives as well. That would be, that would be nice, especially seeing as we're talking about on practicing what you preach. <laughs> so letter number 20. Um, you. Are you going through the whole thing? There's only, you only have about a hundred more letters to go after, after you, uh, after yes. 20. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to definitely look, I'm definitely going through the whole thing. It might take me three years, but I'm definitely going through the whole thing. And so I expect fully to have, you know, three, 400 episodes by the end of it. Cause I'm, I'm kind of doing 10 minute episodes, 10 to 15 minutes where I might break apart just one sentence that st- sticks out to me or, you know, one paragraph that, that really catches me. And so every single letter has about three or four of those at least. So um, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Hey, I, I'm, I'm excited just to chip away at it. And I think that the thing that I'm doing differently this time in this project that I've kind of taken on is, I'm not trying to do as much as possible. I'm doing, trying to do as much as I can do and sustain over time. And so three episodes a week for the patrons seems to be um, about right for me. (laughs) Well, that's, that's great. I wish I could do the same for mine, but, uh, but I'll just leave you as the shining beacon of, of the, the uh, show. <laughs> podcasting. Well, look, you're also a dad. So like, there's so much that I don't have to do at the moment. <laughs> so, so they, honestly, if I couldn't do three episodes a week, it would be quite, um, quite a shame. So anyway, let's, yeah, let's dive in. And I guess, let's um, uh, w- would you like to do the honors of starting with, with oh. verse one? <clears throat> Thank you, Simon. <laughs> Moral Letters to Lucilius by Seneca. Letter number 20 on practicing what you preach. If you are in good health, and if you think yourself worthy of becoming at last your own master, I am glad, for the credit will be mine. If I can drag you from the floods in which you are being buffeted without hope of emerging. This, however, my dear Lucilius, I ask you, I ask and beg of you, on your part, that you let wisdom sink into your soul and test your progress, not by mere speech of things, 
but by stoutness of heart and decrease of desire. Prove your words by your deeds. I was going to interrupt you and and congratulate you on that amazing intro that you did, but I felt I thought it would be inappropriate to interrupt a master at work. That was amazing reading. <laughs> that was the best. Yeah, I I love it. Hey, this is um obviously this is one of the core ideas of of uh, stoicism, right? And it's, especially in Seneca's writings, this idea that philosophy, the purpose of it, is to change who we are, not just change the words that come out of our mouth. And he's, he's always, you know, ranting. I love his rants about these philosophers who sit there all day talking about the meaning of words and the, you know, uh, making up these crazy arguments for things. And he, and he's saying, who are you helping? Like, and, and also, uh, you know, how has this helped you? And this is kind of, wouldn't you say this is his kind of uh, show your shoulders moments that, that Epictetus has, right? I don't want to see the weights that you're lifting. I want to see the results of those weights on your body kind of thing. Yeah. Show me how your desire has changed. Show me how your, how, how your fears have dissolved. Not don't explain to me what a certain philosopher said. Don't expound upon it. Just show me it in action. And and that's, Mm. that's a theme that comes up in many of the Stoics, but uh, the thing about Seneca is we get to read so much of what he wrote and he literally wrote this. So it's right out of his mind onto the page, which is pretty, pretty intense. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I, I honestly think that um, this is something that it, like I definitely fell into this category um, for quite a, a long time and still do in many ways. Right. So it's something that I'm trying to uh, work on myself, but it's, you know, when 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 you first get into learning about philosophy, I, I I think that I think that there's kind of a necessary stage where you're kind of not necessarily pr- practicing philosophy, but you're kind of studying the history of philosophical ideas. You know, so you you're kind of trying to figure out what are all these principles, how do they work together? You know, but but there there does come a point where you have to stop just being a historian of philosophy and you have to become a practitioner. And, and I think that that moment, you know, it's, it's almost like, I think there's this great quote from Carl Jung. He said, you know, be very careful of unearned wisdom. You know, I think that there's a lot of people walking around with unearned wisdom and they're spouting out this wisdom saying, this is, you know, this is how life is. This is how you should be. This is how I, (laughs) you know, but, but at the end of the day, have they really felt that wisdom within, you know, their hearts and their being, have they really embodied that wisdom within themselves? And that's, it's kind of an open question to people. Philosophy is an adventure that you go on. It's not a book that you read. You know, it's, it's, it's something that you try to figure out. Yeah. And I think it comes in like three stages. There's that, that novice stage where you're trying to figure out what, who said what and who these people are and how it fits mm. together. And then there's the practitioner stage. And then hopefully I think Seneca talks about this uh, elsewhere. There's the stage where you start becoming a, a, uh, uh, what's the word I want, like a craftsman or or a builder, a philosopher yourself, where you can add on to it or apply Mm. it to new situations and have your own unique ideas. Just like, you know, when we look at, oh, look at how Epictetus kind of really focused on these things that we didn't see in the past, for example, in previous iterations of stoicism you know if if we become really well versed in this and live it we may actually add on a new layer to it ourselves which yeah uh, 
I'm not going to say I'm ever going to reach that point, but I, I think that's, <laughs> yeah. that's a goal, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just to, who was the philosopher who talked about that? It's this idea that, you know, you become so good at playing the games that you begin to learn how to play the game of making up the rules of the game. It's like, you know, you can, you kind of get to that sophisticated level of thought. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. Um, yeah. And that, I guess that is what we're all aiming at. That's the, that's the sage, right? <laughs> or maybe the sage is even higher, but. The sage might I'll, be um, a step four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, I'll jump into the second verse here. So he says, and, and by the way, I'm, I'm not going to be able to top your level of uh, intensity in your reading. That was amazing. Uh, far different is the purpose of those who are speech making and trying to win uh, the men and idlers by many-sided or fluent argumentation. It's exactly what we were just talking about. Uh, philosophy teaches us to act, not to speak. It exacts of every man that he should live according to his own standards, that his life should not be out of harmony with his words, and that further his inner life uh, should be one of hue and not of harmony, sorry, not out of harmony with all his activities. Thus, Sorry, this, I say, is the highest duty and the highest proof of wisdom, that deed and word should be in accord, that a man should be equal to himself under all conditions and always the same. But, you reply, who can maintain this standard? Very few, to be sure, but there are some. It is indeed a hard undertaking, and I do not say that the philosopher can always keep the same pace but he can always travel the same path. Awesome. There's some cool ideas in here. And a lot of what we kind of just, just touched on, but I'll, I'll let you dive in if there's anything that you particularly take out. Well, I, I get a lot of the, uh, Seneca talks a lot about alignment. Mm. Uh, and and uh, I'm sure in your coaching, that's something you think about quite a bit is uh, trying to be uh, align in your mental attitude, your actions, your your beliefs, your goals, having all that be of one uh, one color, as it were, one one standard. And 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 he talks about that here, where where we need to ensure that our our inner self is uh, similar to our outer selves and what we're doing in the world. And and without that, uh, we're not achieving what we could be achieving but he but he does say that it's difficult and that very few actually reach that point and um mm. you know seneca obviously is a bit of a controversial figure we could say that he obviously may not be the poster child of always practicing what he <laughs> what he preaches mm. but but he's not a sage also and he'll be he's the first to admit that i think if you yeah. read a lot of seneca yeah he definitely is the first to admit that i think that's that's so important in his philosophy but you know, yeah, you're right. You know, this idea of alignment, it's something that I do think about often. It's, you know, when you talk about your philosophy and then when you live your life, is there congruence there? Is it, does it, does it, does it overlap or, or is there just, are you still stuck in the persona, the face that you wear to society? You know, when are you going to take that mask off and, and, you know, see who you really are? And I think, I think that, uh, there was a time where I realized that the moments in my life where I felt most fulfilled, most, uh, most aligned, most uh, even joyful were the moments when the person who I, 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 I wanted to be and who I said that I was 
was aligned with that person who I was actually being, right? And and there's also an element there of living in agreement with your nature, right? Because you can you can be in alignment with your words, but then there's also this strange alignment that happens when you are when you are perfectly balanced with the person who you are in your nature, right? Who you actually are deep down. What are you, what are your internal uh, 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 what is the potential that maybe only you have that you're not fulfilling and how could you fulfill that and come into alignment with that? But I, I thought I wanted to also just with this with this passage here just mention that uh, I think that one of the most important things that people can do even before they start to try and align themselves with with who it is that they say they are, is maybe even to just realize that they don't even know who they are and maybe to to go on the path first of saying well okay I keep on saying that I'm this person but maybe I just maybe I actually need to discover who it is that I really am before I start trying to force myself into this rigid set of ideologies and beliefs that I've crafted for myself as a mask and and to say well I, I need to discover who it is that I am first and one of the ways that you do that obviously is learning history and philosophy and because it'll teach you about who you really are but also um you know practicing it in your life and seeing seeing what works and what doesn't and um I know that there was a period especially last year for me where I I started to realize hang on whoa 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 you you're being too rigid with your your expectations of yourself with these particular ideas and concepts, maybe just first realize that you don't know who you are and go on the journey of discovering who it is that, that, that lies beneath. Right. I don't know. What do you think? I think there's something to that. And of course it's always scary when you're approaching 40 or, or I just reached it a year ago mm-hmm. and it's like, ah, do I know who I am yet? And how much time do I have left to figure that out? Yeah. But of course, who you are is also, uh, in flux as well in some ways yeah. there uh, uh so it's it's an interesting journey but i enjoy what he says um in this article where he says or the reading here where he says um you might not always take the exact same footsteps basically but you will always travel the same path so yeah so we we don't we even as we align our lives we may not do everything the same way every time but the overall direction that we're going uh, mm. hopefully will be the same. Now, I guess big changes could change big discoveries about who we are um, may change the direction of the entire path that we've been on this mm. entire time, which would be, you know, a, a massive uh, life shift. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love that passage as well. And it's, it's almost like um, it, one thing that I do think about often is, is if there's one principle that you could pretty safely live by for the rest of your life and and always be on a path that is carrying you forward it would be the principle of transformation you know who was i yesterday and how can i transform who i was yesterday into who i could be today right and and i think that uh, it's principles like those that seneca is suggesting that we live by these principles that you know philosophy you might say one of the elements of philosophy is trying to discover the the principles to live by that will never break, right? And that might be one of them, this idea of, well, maybe yesterday I was this person, but let me today transform myself into an even better, more perfected version of who I could be, right? It's, 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 it's the thing that's going to allow you to hear advice when you need to hear advice, to hear ideas when, you know, 
when when you're wrong and and to move forward with you know a greater sense of um discovery about who it is that you really are and who you could be i guess yeah awesome i'll I'll, I'll jump it over to you and we can go into verse three number three observe yourself then and see whether your dress and your house are inconsistent whether you treat yourself lavishly and your family meanly whether you eat frugal dinners and yet build luxurious houses you should lay a, lay hold once and for all upon a single norm to live by and should regulate your whole life according to this norm. Some men restrict themselves at home, but strut with swelling port before the public. Such discordance is a fault and indicates a wavering mind which cannot yet keep its balance. Mm, I like it. it. It definitely reminds me of all of the times when I am one person around these people and then a different person around them, right? And it does make me think again of that idea of principles, these these the 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 these ideas that you hold to that you know will will not break over time among different circumstances. Um, and I almost it, it's 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 hard to know exactly what he's talking about here, right? Because he's saying like a single there's there's a there, like the single path right and it's almost like the straight and narrow path that he often talks about as well but the the single principle to live by i've been thinking about this lately because there's these so much of our of our history now and and our philosophy in especially in say western culture has been based around the idea of trying to grasp this idea of the logos and to keep it and to keep it safe for the future generations, the transformative principle, you know, that that mediates between kind of chaos and order, you could say, this, you know, transformative principle of truth, awareness, attention. And I don't know whether Seneca is necessarily suggesting to us that we find something of that nature, which the Stoics definitely thought was, was worth keeping, right? This idea of the Logos, if there's one thing that you want to identify within your life, that's it. Um, but it, it's, it's a difficult one to take away. I, I'm not sure what, do, how do you read into this, this idea of taking a single principle to live by? Well, uh, it's interesting in the previous reading, we are just, you know, mm. verse three or whatever it was, he talks about, um, I guess it's two that, that everyone, everyone should live by their own standards for one. Like it's, it's not, you should do what Zeno said, or you should do what I say. It's you need to think about it and figure out what works for you, your, your personal nature. And then, and then I, that idea of, of a single standard, you know, I don't know, maybe he's being a little uh, uh, exaggerated. He's exaggerating there a bit, but, you know, mm-hmm. having a few principles that guide you. Um, Cause you know, obviously one norm is unless it's a broad norm a, a broad standard is is not going to to cut it you know for mm. for all facets of life but but i think it's like I, i've you know the stoics sometimes talk about setting some simple rules for yourself and never breaking them mm. um and and like in the last time when we met he talks about don't add more on top of that until you know, don't make new resolutions when you can't even keep the simple ones you're trying to make. So, hmm. so trying to pick some simple rule for yourself and see if you can stick to it. Uh, hmm. If you can, then you can add another one on top of it. 
Yeah. But don't don't keep building on top of a of a shaky foundation. Yeah. No, I, I see what you're saying. And I think if there's one difference in the interpretation that we take from from this uh, from this reading, I when he says, you know, live by your own standards, I I kind of take that to mean um well, you keep on saying all these things that you think you believe and you think that you, you know, that you live by, but it's clear that you don't. So why don't you just try to at least live by the standards that you're setting for yourself mm-hmm. and okay. see what happens? But I, I also, I, I don't, I don't know if, because there's definitely the tendency to, you know, go down a sort of postmodernism view of, you know, well, everything's subjective and, you know, right. there's so many principles that work. And so, you know, you just choose what's good for you and, 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 you know, see what works. But, but clearly what we're trying to do here is talk about um, principles that have been time tested that people have, you know, uh, you know, worked very hard to keep because they're so valuable for, um, well, for, for so many people. The, the, for me, the logos seems to be one of those ideas that is so transformational, the, the depth of that idea that it's something worth keeping and it's something say, worth saying, well, well, yeah, this is something that if people were to use in their lives, it would have transformative effects because it's the very thing that allows you to mediate between the person who you were and the person who you could be, you know, to call mm-hmm. forth potential from the future. So, yeah, I'm, I, I'm not sure. I think that it it's it's definitely appropriate to say, you know, hey, you keep on saying all these things. Well, why don't you just try and show me how you're living by them? And and you know, you'll learn the lessons along the way. But um, yeah, it's 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 an interesting thing to think about. What what does he mean when he's saying, you know, choose that single principle to live by? Right. But, um, awesome. So uh, now we are up to verse four, and I'll jump Number in four. and read that. And I can tell you further. Whence arise this unsteadiness and disagreement of action and purpose? It is because no man resolves upon what he wishes, and even if he has done so, he does not persist in it, but jumps, but jumps the track. Not only does he change, but he returns and slips back to the conduct which he has abandoned and abjured. Um, yeah, so similar ideas and thoughts there it's like these moments when you know we keep on thinking that there's something else we keep on thinking i'm going to try that and i'm going to try that and i'm going to try that but yeah like you said earlier it's why don't you pick a principle see if it works by practicing it and practicing it and practicing it and then maybe you'll have some wisdom but it's similar to this idea that he talks about with reading right like and and i'm the worst of this um, you know, you, 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 you have all of these, these books and he says like the, the, you know, having multiple books like this is almost the sign of a fussy stomach, right? It's, it's right. you know, it, it, it's like, you're looking, you're looking at all these places, but just try these things that you have already and see if they work. And then maybe you'll know something. I don't know. What do you take away from that? Well, yeah, the feeling I get from a lot of this is a lot of times on when we buy a new book or we start reading about a philosophy, we hope it's like a pill that yeah, you're, yeah. you, you're going to swallow it. And then there will be this change, like I will be a new person now. But but instead, I think it's about depth, uh, depth of knowledge of one, one philosophy and, and, and a practicing of that philosophy. Uh, so it's, it's more like becoming a, a, 
a, uh, uh, you know, a craftsman in that philosophy rather than just having a knowledge of it, it, it where, where change really comes from. But yeah. It, but, but, but sometimes we don't see that change right away. And it's like, well, maybe I need to be reading about this philosophy and this philosophy or this idea. And so we end up uh, having a shallow understanding of 10 things instead of a deep understanding of one or two. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Right. That's, that's, it's, it's, it's exactly the path that so many people go on and I've been on multiple times, right? It's, it's just this, yeah, you, you, you constantly think what's next, what's next, what's the new idea that's going to be the, the ultimate key. And I think that there's value in, you know, seeking out new ideas. Obviously, I think that Jim Rohn had a good point when he said that, you know, yeah, maybe, maybe, you know, you've got, six of the combinations that are going to unlock the door, but all you need is two or three that you haven't found yet. So, so yeah, like maybe there is something there, but, but also I, I like the way you're saying that there's, there's got to be a depth of your understanding. And um, yes, yeah, so I, I do think that there's so much value in picking an idea and saying, what does it actually mean? What does it mean for me? And how can I practice this in my life to get some real wisdom instead of this kind of unearned wisdom that, comes from just speaking about ideas awesome so i'll let you jump into verse five therefore to admit the ancient definitions of wisdom and to include the whole manner of human life i can be satisfied with the following what is wisdom always desiring the same things and always refusing the same things you may be excused from adding the little proviso that what you wish should be right, since no man can always be satisfied with the same thing, unless it is right. Mm. I'm glad so, that he added that proviso, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I always want whiskey, uh, for example, uh, yeah. that may not be a good. <laughs> yeah, and, and and that's kind of, this is kind of the reason why I um, brought up the fact that, you know, it, it would it would be, uh, in in my opinion, you know, it would it would not be appropriate for Stoicism to get, go down a road of the kind of postmodernist thinking of well everything is fine, you know, and um, it, it, just because you know obviously what we're involved in here in here is uh, trying to discover. Well, I mean, if you go back to the true Stoic sense, they're trying to discover the patterns of the universe, right? They're trying to discover what is right, what is wrong, what, you know, and, and what is going to be helpful for us in the long run and lead to a flourishing life and what literally doesn't make a difference. And, and so, you know, I really like that he's suggesting that we, we come to this point where we understand deeply what it is that we should be moving towards and what we should be avoiding. And then we should live by those principles. And we should also be seeking to understand whether or not we're right. That's where logic comes in or um, in, in, in their whole uh, formulation of this philosophy. But yeah, it's, it's an interesting idea. Yeah, consistency is a big deal in Stoicism, and it shows up in this paragraph, these few paragraphs quite a bit, and shows up in Cicero and other places where Stoicism is discussed. It's that, like we've already hinted at before, it's that, like he says here, always desiring the same right things and mm. and not wanting, you know, having the right desires and aversions, basically, is in, in if we want to apply Epictetus terminology here. Mm. Um, and then also being the same person 
whether you're by yourself behind a locked door or in the street in public, uh, uh, you know, we see that come up again and again. It's, it's being the same person in your head as you are outside of yourself, someone observing you. It's, it's all of that, that, that alignment and that, that, that consistency. And that's, um, that's where we need to, to pick who we, we had to figure out who you are and then do what you need to do as uh, kind of paraphrasing Epictetus there. All of yeah. this kind of, it comes from a, the same school. So we see it coming up just worded differently from these different philosophers, but it's, it's yeah. great advice. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think honestly, like a, there's a part of me that kind of um, feels slightly averse to this idea of, always wanting the same, but, but it, it, it's definitely because I, I, you know, I, I have the tendency to be, being a creative person and artist, right. I, I, I'm all over the place with my ideas and I like that, right. Because I'm very open in my personality. I like to explore, to see what's next to, you know, to, to branch out there. But, but I do like the idea of principles being, you know, these things that guide you as you transform throughout many rivers, as, as Heraclitus would have said, you know? Um, and so, yeah, sorry, go on. Well, I don't think uh, you want to deny your ability to use reason and inspiration. Uh, mm. What makes you human? Uh, I mean, the Stoics are about making you the best human you can be. If you yeah. simply literally only desired the exact same things, you're going, you're going to be a computer or a machine at that point, which yeah. would deny your humanity. So I think, yeah. I think we have to bear in mind that uh, in what light to, <laughs> to practice these ideas mm. doesn't mean you always, you only eat uh, the same, the same meal every day and you only play the same four chords, which might yeah. describe my musicianship, but not yours, <laughs> but, uh, but, but, you know, the, the, that, those kind of ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I will say that maybe it would be time for us to be practicing becoming computers and machines. Hey, <laughs> 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 awesome. So uh, verse six, I believe we're up to for this reason, men do not know what they wish, except that, except at the actual moment of wishing. No man ever decided once and for all to desire or to refuse. Judgment varies from day to day and changes to the opposite, making many a man pass his life in a kind of game. Press on, therefore, as you have begun. Perhaps you will be led to perfection or to a point which you alone understand is still short of perfection. I, I really like this. It's it's it seems like like what he's suggesting here, and and, and I kind of wrote a note here that I, I wanted to make sure I, yeah, kind of bringing the judgment back into each moment, right? Because it's it's all good to suggest, well, I'm going to live by this principle and that principle and this principle, but at the end of the day, unless you bring the attention and the focus back into the moment, you're just going to keep on living how you've always kind of lived because we're constantly making these decisions, even unconsciously. And, and I, I think that what he's suggesting here is that you, you bring that attention back into the moment and, and focus as you're living throughout your day. And like he said before in other letters, you know, every moment brings with us countless decisions to make, right? And so we need to become skilled uh, practitioners of focus and attention in each moment, which will hopefully lead us in a good direction. But ultimately, I think that what he's saying here is that you'll either get to a good place 
or you'll realize that the place you've arrived at is not quite where you would have liked and you'll then redirect your path in that moment. What, what, what do you think? Kind of what, what I get out of this is, you know, if you have your principles, your, your one or two principles, the time tested ones that you have set for yourself, hopefully from, as you said, well-tested ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like having a compass and you're navigating the path, you know, the path of life comes up all the time, which is interesting because uh, I've also been reading the, uh, you know, about Taoism here and it's the way or the path. It's kind of mm-hmm. an interesting analogy for life. Right. But if you, if you know where you're going, um, you don't have to make novel decisions every second of the day because you have a guide you're like, mm. no, this is not something you don't have to think about it. It almost becomes a habit. If it's against your principles, you don't make that decision. You make this decision. It's mm. And someone who uh, doesn't have that compass, like think of a compass spinning around every time they come to a fork in the road, they have to deliberate which way they're going to go. And as he says, it almost becomes a game like I'll flip a coin. Which way am mm. I going to go left or right? But if you know where you're headed, you know which way to go every, mm. and, and you don't you don't as often go down the wrong path because you know where your compass is pointing and you know which side of that path to take. Mm. And then at some point, hopefully you reach a point where people say, wow, you, as he says, you know, that person's pretty much a sage. Now you yourself might know I'm not there yet. You don't, (laughs) but, Mm. but, but from the outside, people might, might uh, mistake you for such an enlightened person. That's kind of what I get. Hopefully not. Area, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, no, I, I do like it. Yeah. This, this idea of having these principles that guide you and, and, and it definitely gives you a sense of confidence moving forward. I guess um, something that I noticed uh, particularly towards uh, the end of last year and the start of this year is there's, there's this idea that, you know, you, you can kind of try to force these principles upon yourself but if if you actually watch yourself for a week as if you don't know yourself as if you're just watching some strange conscious being walk through the universe and do strange things right uh you know i did that exercise kind of on and off for for a while and i started to notice hang on even when i think i'm living by these principles there's things that i'll do even though I know that I shouldn't do them. But then there's also things that I will do, even though, uh, th- sorry, there's things that I won't do, even though I know I should do them. And, you know, there's all these kinds of um, uh, strange dynamics going on. And I, one thing that I definitely learned early on last year, as I was watching myself and I thought, man, I can sit down at the piano and practice for six hours in a day, but I've never done that with my trumpet. Right. And that's the instrument that I went to university for. I've practiced more in the last year on my piano than I have on my trumpet in my whole life. Right. Mm. And and when I watched myself and noticed that I was like, man, you've got to drop some of your ideas of who you are. You've got to drop some of your conceptions of, well, I'm this person, I'm that person. You're not a jazz trumpeter. You're not even a musician. You're a creative person. You want to write. You want to play piano. You want to do, you know. And so you can drop these things and say, well, what am I really? But I think that it's helpful to notice that just for people who might be jumping into stoicism, I know that the tendency often is to be, well, these are my principles. I'm going to live by them. And I'm going to, I'm going to force my body in this direction to do this. But 
but maybe from time to time, stop and watch yourself and see who it is that you really are. Not that you're going to, you know, because you, if you're honest with yourself, you'll notice that there are things that you do that you obviously should work on and should move away from. But you'll also notice things that you might not have seen if you had have placed the ideology of stoicism over your head and said, this is who I am. Do you know what I mean? Like you'll see things that you wouldn't have seen if you force yourself in a direction. Yeah, I always wonder if they made a reality show about my week, how embarrassed I'd be to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's an eye-opener, isn't it? Yeah. When, when you're like, oh, I think of myself as this way, but that's me sitting in the chair for three hours eating ice cream. You know, not that that's what yeah. I do, but you know what I mean? You know, yeah. you're forced yeah. to confront I know the, truth. the dark side. <laughs> I, the truth is out there. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Exactly. So yeah, All verse right. seven. Uh, verse seven. But what you say? <laughs> <clears throat> but what you say will become of my crowded household without a household income. If you stop supporting the crowd, it will support itself. Or perhaps you will learn by the bounty of poverty what you cannot learn by your own bounty. Poverty will keep you on your or, well, poverty will keep for you your true friends, your true and tried friends. Sorry, and you and uh, will be rid of the men who were not seeking you for yourself, but for something which you have. It is not true, however, that you should love poverty, if only for this single reason. That it, or I'm sorry, I've, I'm just having a horrible time reading today. No, Simon. that's fine. But it will, it will. They, 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 that's that's American for. Let me start over. <clears throat> <laughs> I love it. But for something which you have, is it not true? However, you should love poverty, if only for this single reason, that it will show you who's by. That's a weird writing. That it will show you who those by whom you are loved. There we that's go. It. My my Lasix is wearing off, and I'm I'm squinting at my screen. All right. Oh, when will that time come when no one shall tell lies to compliment you? So I, the idea here is, you know, I had some friends back when I was a, a kid. We had a farm and I had an old three-wheeler, which is like a death trap nowadays. So, uh, mm. You know, it's like a, it's a three-wheel device with an engine on it that if you turn too sharply on, you roll over. Yeah. Um but they were cool in the 80s, I swear. And uh, <laughs> there were some people who I don't know if they would have given me the time of day, but I had access to land and a three wheeler. So they were my buddy because they mm. wanted to ride around on it. He's saying, uh, uh, if you know, I, I have a hard time so sometimes, you know, you often hear the nobility of poverty. I know a lot of people who are impoverished that would love the chance to try something else but mm. uh, but he is saying here that um um poverty if you come into poverty after having been rich in this case um one one uh, uh benefit is that all of these hangers on that are just there for the wrong reasons all these ticks as it were that are <laughs> draw, sucking you dry will go away and you will see who your true friends are and he yeah. suggests that those around you who you think you have to support will figure out ways of 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 getting by, even if you are not handing them uh, money every day, as it were. So, so those yeah. are the the 
takeaways from that lesson there, I think. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think I'd like to read, read the next passage just before we before I say anything about it, because yeah, I think that there's ahead. important parts to both. But he continues with this idea and he says, accordingly, let your thoughts, your efforts, your desires help to make you content with your own self and with the goods that spring forth from yourself and commit your prayers, sorry, commit your other prayers to God's keeping. Um, I guess I'll pause there for a moment because I think that there's a relation between, obviously there's a relationship between this whole letter because he's writing it, right? But um, between this idea of being content with your own goods and not feeling the need to support the crowd, right? And um, personally for me, this came, I was really trying to explore this idea that is found all throughout Stoicism, but also in the Bible, this idea of, um, uh, you know, look at the lilies of the field, how they grow, you know, it, it, it's, it's, the, it's the idea that if, if you do what you're supposed to do, perhaps, it, which, which, which we might say is like virtue, um, uh, trying to be the most virtuous person that we can be, trying to align with our true nature, what is it that you're here to do? Um, like Sharon LaBelle would say, you know, take your seat in the theatre of life. If you do what you're supposed to do, perhaps what will happen is, is that certain things that used to be of a concern will be taken care of, but you will be essentially satisfied with the, the fruits of your own internal fruits. That, that didn't make sense. Yeah, your own, your own internal fruits, right? And it's, it's, I started thinking maybe I don't, spend so much time and money on advertising or marketing to try and get clients for my coaching business. Maybe what I do is I try to put together the best episodes that I can put together because that's something that I can focus on internally, right? I'm not trying to catch something. I'm trying to give something that is truly valuable, right? And what would happen if I didn't focus so much on uh, on the, you know, what you might say the business elements of what I'm trying to do here, but just tried to focus on creating good stuff that people really like and and adds value. And I certainly, you know, I, I've, I've spent no money on advertising for the podcast or advertising for my coaching or anything like that, but I've always had clients enough to support myself, right? And mm-hmm. and when I got through my first year of being out of a job, right, I was like, man, like this, I, I can't believe I, I I did that. And especially not having spent time on unnecessary things and pulling myself away from this desire to please people or to please the crowd or to uh, to pander to the crowd, but to simply be satisfied with with what it is that I'm trying to do internally and what I'm trying to bring forth. And, and I, I, I just really like this idea that he suggests here of, um, you know, let your thoughts, your efforts, your desires help you to be, be content with your own self and your own goods that spring from yourself and commit all your other prayers to God's keeping. I kind of see that as focus on your internal world, focus on the virtue inside of you and let that shine forth Everything else, leave it up to whatever you call God, the universe, whatever it is. I don't care what you call it, but fate, you know, just leave it up to fate to take care of that stuff. But you focus on your internal world and see what happens. And I, I see that 
as the greatest call to adventure anybody could go on, you know, to see what would happen if they truly were aligned internally and they started to focus only on their internal world and, and to let the stuff that's kind of outside of them or outside of their control, like Epictetus would say, figure itself out. I, I, I don't know. What, what do you take away from that kind of, that kind of line of thinking? Well, I think I, I agree with what you're saying there. He, I mean, that's sort of what he says in the before where, hey, if you're poor, you're worried about all these people you take care of right now. Well, mm. some all of that will work itself out much like, you know, like you said, like, well, does the bird does the bird worry about where its next meal will come from? Well, as humans, of course, we we do worry about that a little more than than the bird, perhaps. But still, the idea is there that. A lot of things will work out and be okay. Um, mm. We feel we have to micromanage things that we probably do not, and um, and yeah, that that idea of focusing on on your character, and of course, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure everyone who who listens uh, already can, already knows this, but when you're focusing on your inner world, it doesn't mean you are not doing your duty as it were or you're yeah. performing your role in the world as well you're still you're not just sitting cross-legged on a hill somewhere and ignoring family or friends that, mm. that need you uh, that's part of that virtuous life and building your own character as well but yeah. um but i think it is that that idea of like he says commit your prayer your other prayers to god's keeping um uh trust that things will work out as they should and and just understand so many things are out of your power to control and, and uh, you do have the power to deal with them. Yeah. Uh, you, and that's about all you can ask for. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to reiterate something that you said there, which is that things will turn out, you know, as best as they could. I think that that's kind of the promise of virtue, right? And it, yes, yes, absolutely. When, when you're living for yourself, you are living for other people. You're, stri- you, you know, you're trying to see how you could, could best fulfill the duties that you have, you know, to, to, to be the strongest, most capable version of yourself that you could be because, you know, the, the, there's nothing more demanding on everybody around you than when you're a weak, you know, sniveling, deceitful, uh, you know, angry person, resentful person, right? It's like, you're not helping anybody, but when you are strengthening yourself and becoming the the potential that you could be, that is going to send ripples out everywhere. But um, I think that the promise of virtue is if you focus on virtue, things will turn out as well as they could turn out for you, right? And 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 I think that that I think that's true. You know, I think I think that it's true that if you if if, if you truly try to focus on how could you best approach your life and be the most virtuous person you could be, taking into account that you're not going to be the most virtuous person that you could be, right? Um, things will turn out as best as they could be if it's true that virtue is its own reward, right? That That's kind of the promise as well. Virtue is its own reward. Even though you might not have the material uh, wealth that you might have wanted, the virtue that you have will be so much greater than the, the joy that would have come from all those material things anyway, if, if that kind of makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'll, fi- I'll finish reading verse 8 then, and maybe I'll just go straight through verse 9 as well. Uh, what happiness could come closer? Uh, wait, what happiness could come closer home to you? 
Uh, bring yourself down to humble conditions uh, from which you cannot be ejected. And in order that you may do so with greater uh, alac- alac- alacrity. Oh, that's I, a word that I don't know. Do you know that? I had to look, I had to look it up before the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, my my horrible American education <laughs> failed me, but I'm glad to know uh, that, that is not just me. Um, yeah. Anyway, sorry. Uh, what does it I, mean? Um, uh, let me, let me, uh, I think it's actually, I looked it up and I promptly forgot um, because I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. A uh, brisk and cheerful readiness. Oh, that's a beautiful word, alacrity. I like that. Brisk Let's and cheerful readiness. That's great. Yeah. That way we sound smart. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. I'm going to try that. Um, okay. So anyway, he says, uh, uh, where were we? Um, okay. Bring yourself down to humble conditions from which you cannot be ejected. And in order that you may do so with greater alacrity, uh, the, con- the contribution contained in this letter shall refer to that subject. I shall bestow it upon you forthwith like it being bestowed with a quote. He says, although you may look askance, uh, Epicurus will once again be glad to settle my indebtedness. And Epicurus says the following, believe me, your words will be more imposing if you sleep on a cot and wear rags. For in that case, you will not be merely saying them, you will be demonstrating their truth. I, at any rate, listen in a different spirit to the utterances of our friend, Demetrius, after I have seen him reclining without even a cloak to cover him, and more than this, without rugs to lie upon, he is not only a teacher of the truth, but a witness to the truth. So I think that there's some incongruency between Seneca's kind of ideas here in his letters, because on one hand, there are letters where he discusses the middle way of his philosophy, which is, you don't... you you kind of want to conform to the crowd slightly, you know, just so that they can understand you, but inwardly you want to be completely different. Now he's kind of potentially suggesting here that it would be better if you were to, to be living with rags and, you know, this sort of stuff. But, um, but I, I, the one thing that I really, really, really like about this, this passage is where he says that he is not only a teacher of the truth, but a witness to the truth, because I've, definitely noticed in my life and i think that this is the case with philosophy it's not something that you that it, obviously we've been talking about this it's not something that you you learn in a book it's something that you witness in your life you actually see what happens when you transform your mind and you see what happens when your perspectives start to change and i can honestly say that you like I've really experienced a shift in the way that i see the world the way that that things, happen around me as a result of trying to understand these philosophies and to put them in my life. And I'm not saying that I'm even close to who he's talking about here, Demetrius, right? Who is the witness of the truth. But I really do think that philosophy is something that you witness in your life as it transforms you. And when you witness it, that's the point when the wisdom has actually become you as opposed to just being something that you're breathing out of your mouth, if if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I did a little, uh, I read this same letter in another translation uh, mm. yesterday, and it had a couple of nice uh, uh, footnotes that that were kind of enlightening. Uh, first of all, that what I thought was cool was that this 
quote by Epicurus only appears here. So if Seneca hadn't written it down, we wouldn't know it existed, which is kind of interesting. So we, so Epicurus is saying if, if you were uh, laying on a cot wearing rags, uh, your words would have more weight to them because you would Mm. be living what you're talking about. And then Seneca brings up Demetrius um, and Demetrius is his example of this. And I guess Demetrius was someone who was more of a cynic, you know, someone who, who like Diogenes, who just renounced all wealth. And mm. I, I, I think he must come up in several of Seneca's letters. Cause it said, check out these other letters to see Demetrius mm. mentioned again, but I haven't done that yet. But, uh, but he is, he doesn't even have a cloak to cover him. He, he denounces material possessions and, uh, and, uh, he, I found it interesting that Seneca is is uh, bragging up a cynic just like Epictetus does uh, in yeah. his teachings. I the see. Stoics I, seem I, to be in awe with, about the cynics in some ways. Yeah, and I kind of understand that, right? Because it's like this is how detached from society a person can get and still remain wise and virtuous and happy, right? But then in another, you know, letter, he'll he'll talk about how you shouldn't judge somebody by their external appearances, right? And, and obviously, it would be a mistake to think that just because somebody is wearing rags, that means that they are wiser, right? But there has to be there has to be the the wisdom with with that. And so, I get where I he's we, coming from. I think we kind of get there in this letter yet, uh, in yeah. a way, because he says it, it doesn't mean anything. You don't know if it's if it's wisdom or not unless mm. the person's doing it voluntarily. Yeah. If it's just and 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 if they if they don't care if if it's like I don't this is fine this is not a burden because mm. I'm doing this because this I don't true I don't value the, you know I don't value yeah. wealth I can live this way or I can live this way and it's all the same to me and that's I think kind of where he's going with this uh, we yeah. might tease that out anyway we'll no see. you're right I do remember now that he he does talk about this a little bit so I'll, I'll let you read on okay number ten right yep. May not a man, however, despise wealth when it lies in his very pocket? Of course, he is also great-souled who sees riches heaped up around him after wondering long and deeply because they have come into his possession, smiles and hears rather than feels that they are his. It means much not to be spoiled by, inti- not to be spoiled by intimacy with riches, and he is truly great who is poor amidst riches. Mm. So I think yeah. this is that other, the other side of that equation where maybe you can, because ha- I think Seneca is worried about this. I'm rich as heck. You know, I have more money than yeah. almost everybody. Can I still be a good person? Um, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 uh, you know, the whole eye of the needle thing. Um, but, yeah. but here, here, here he's saying, uh, well, what if you what if you're poor? If you're poor, if you don't have wealth and you hate it, it's kind of like being rich and then loving it, I guess you could say, you know, yeah, yeah. you're 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 doing both of them wrong is kind of what yeah. he's saying there in those cases. Yeah. And and I like what he says here that, you know, Demetrius uh, hears uh, hears rather than feels that they're his, right? So he's he he sees and hears and people tell him that he's got all this money. Right. But he, but he doesn't like, he doesn't feel it. Meaning, you know, it, it hasn't become a part of who he is. He's still going to be the same person coming back to that idea earlier on of, you know, being consistent throughout your life. 
he'll be the same whether he has heaps of money or no money at all. He's just he's still going to be the same person. It doesn't affect him. It's it's around him. It's not of him. Uh, yeah, like you said. Yeah, yeah. I love it. It's it's an interesting idea. Uh, and so then he goes on to say, he says, "Yes, but I do not know." You will say, "I love it when he does this." Uh, <laughs> how the man you speak of will endure poverty if he falls into it suddenly. Nor do I, Epicurus, know whether the poor man you speak of will despise riches, should be, oh, sorry, know whether the poor man you speak of will despise riches should he suddenly fall into them. Accordingly, in the case of both, it is the mind that must be appraised, and we must investigate whether your man is pleased with his poverty and whether my man is displeased with his riches, coming back to what you said earlier. Uh, Otherwise, the cot bed and the rags are slight proof of his good intentions. If it has not been made clear that the person concerned endures these trials not from necessity, but from preference. So, yeah, back to what you said earlier, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's about being consistent no matter where you are on the spectrum there of wealth in trying to, to, to live by your principles and to not be uh, thinking that money, the lack of or the the bounty of is going to be the thing that makes a difference for you. And, and yeah, it, it's you can you can imagine uh, Epicurus is uh, his example of the person in rags who's this example of virtue, according to Epicurus, which he may well be. We don't know. But mm. if you give that person a million dollars in gold or whatever the what is the what's the currency in the time here uh uh, uh, roman times i i I almost had it it starts with a d and then denarius maybe or something like that Mm. um anyway you give him a a million coins um are they going to still have the same virtue that you thought they had before or are they suddenly gonna be telling the poor to shut up and stop begging from them Mm. (laughs) and you know and 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 going and living a uh a life of debauchery uh, now that yeah. they have that wealth, you know, that's the question. Mm. And one thing to think about as well is like money, this might be a good way to think about it. Money is something that can be turned to evil, can be turned to great good. Right. And and that's why Seneca said in another letter that, um, you know, if, if having wealth or fame, you know, w- would, enhance my ability to project virtue onto the world, right? If, if it would enhance my virtue and allow me to, to do greater good, then give me as much of it as you want, right? I, I, I'll take it, you know? <laughs> and I think, I think that's an appropriate attitude to have, right? Because, you know, you know, there is definitely a narrative that goes around today, you know, the, you know, the 1%, these evil billionaires sitting at the top doing all this bad, sitting in their lairs, you know, it's, it's like, uh, Let's talk about whether it's <laughs> exactly right. There, there are, you know, there are virtuous people and invert unvirtuous people. The money means nothing, right? Having money doesn't mean anything, right? But the the hands that hold the money decide what that money is. And and I think that that's an appropriate way to look at it. And, and I like that what he does here, well, we can kind of read on. He goes on to say that we should practice for that, but yeah. um So he says, are we 12? Is that right? Number 12. Yeah. Okay. It is the mark, however, of a noble spirit, not to uh, precipitate oneself into such things on the ground that they are better, but to practice for them on the ground that they are thus easy to endure. 
and they are easy to endure, Lucilius, that when, however, you come to them after long rehearsal, uh, they are even pleasant, for they contain a sense of freedom from care, and without this, nothing is pleasant. So that that's the verse that I really like in this last kind of few passages, this, this idea that we're not we're trying to practice for wealth and poverty. We're trying to practice so that when we arrive at these places, we can still uh, aim at the highest good, try to bring forth the best of ourselves and other people. Because if there's one thing that we know, it's, it's like, you know, if, if, if you're a corrupt, uh, terrible, resentful person, when you have money, what are the chances that you're going to do any good with it? <laughs> you know, like right. what, what are the real chances that you're going to do? Oh, yeah, you, he turned you, into a really <laughs> nice person when they, when he yeah. got all that money. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Everybody yeah. thinks that things are going to be so different when they have money. No, it's just, it's like alcohol. It's just going to make you more of what you already are. <laughs> it's going to bring that forth. Right. And I just love this idea that we're trying to practice so that we can re- maintain this equilibrium, no matter whether we're in poverty or in, and this is, this is so important for so many people to get when they're starting out with stoicism, because you can also, be, you can almost become masochistic and think, you know, oh, I'm going to practice poverty and I'm going to, you know, right. and, and I've noticed habits within myself that I don't like. It's, it's, you know, I have these habits sometimes of devaluing what it is that I do or uh, not necessarily putting the effort in to take opportunities that might increase my monetary value. And it comes from this strange place of, I think that is a residual effect of getting into stoicism that I had this wrong idea that like, Oh, you know, it's, it's the simple life that I'm after. I don't, I don't, I don't want any of that money. Right. But if it could help me to increase whatever it is that I'm trying to do that is good, then why not take the opportunity? See what you can get. get the money, but focus on yourself first. Make sure that you're the right kind of person. You know what right. I mean? I, I do absolutely. Yeah, you don't want to, you know, as they say, sell yourself for the money. You know, I'm going to do things yeah. that I don't believe in for that money. Yeah. That's what he's. You know, that's falling out of alignment with your principles. But yeah. but if what you're doing means something to others and it helps you to you know, they, they're, t- they're devaluing wealth here in a sense. But then again, if you have it, it makes a lot of things a lot easier to get the mm. word out there, you know, than yeah. if you don't have it. So it's, it's not, it's, it's a preferred indifferent. And mm. uh, now if you're a cynic, it's just an indifferent, right? Like you don't care. But for yeah. the stoic, it's like, I, I'd love to have that as long as I'm using it for the right reasons. Yeah. And, uh, and it, it could help in this way. But, uh, exactly. but if it doesn't yeah. happen, uh, poverty can be easy to bear, uh, you know, at least moderate poverty, let's say, yeah. um, uh, can be easy to bear. Um, we'll get by. It'll, it'll be all right. Especially if you have practiced it. Um, yeah. uh, I know I read, uh, um, Massimo Piliucci has, has, uh, actually some little blurbs about different letters from, from, uh, Seneca. And he talks about in, in referencing this letter, it talks about, uh, a weekly cold shower and going out without a jacket on or, or fasting a uh, certain uh, number of days. And that's where we'll go in the, the last, uh, let, let's go ahead and mm. I'll do number 13 and then we can, sure. we can kind of go from there. I hold it essential therefore to do as I have told you in a letter that great men have often done to reserve a few days in which we may prepare ourselves for real poverty by means of fancied poverty. 
There is all the more reason for doing this because we have been steeped in luxury and regard all duties as hard and onerous. Rather than let the soul be roused from its sleep and be prodded and let it be reminded that, hold on, let me do that again. Rather, let the soul be roused from its sleep and be prodded and let it be reminded that nature has prescribed very little for us. No man is born rich. Every man, when he first sees light, is commanded to be content with milk and rags. Such is our beginning, and yet kingdoms are all too small for us. Farewell. Hmm. Powerful line to finish on, right? I, I love that one because it really does remind you, and you'll learn this if you, you know, when people study history and philosophy, they learn that people have always been able to deal with the most insane circumstances. We, You know, you come from a long line of people who survived the chaos of life, right? Like right. you can deal with it no, no, almost no matter what it is. And, and I like this idea that the Stoics talk about, which is like the, the, the optimism in pain is that if you feel too much of it, you won't feel it anymore. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. And what that means, literally what that means, the logical conclusion of that is that if you still feel your pain, you are formed in such a way that you can bear it. Right. And, And it's like, that's a tough one for people to realize, but I love this idea that, you know, as soon as we're born, you know, milk and rags, that's, that's all, that's all we need. Right. When we're born. And yet look at, look at what we desire. We just, we desire kingdoms. Even a kingdom isn't good enough for us, right? It's just crazy. But I think that that's- one, you'll want another one. Yeah, Ah. yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And it all starts with asking for a second glass of milk. (laughs) Ah, If you give a mouse a cookie, I think I've read my son this book. Yeah. I actually, you were talking about what people have withstood. I, I was- I'm uh, one. I have the problem that Seneca chastises us, you know, where about where we have like six or seven books that we're reading at once sometimes. Yeah. And uh, one the club, of the ones, yeah. yeah, one of the ones I'm uh, uh, almost finished with is Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning, where mm. he talks about surviving the concentration camp experience and 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 uh, the fact that he was able, you know, he was lucky enough. Fate was fate permitting in his case, he, he made it through, but also he came through intact and able to make a, you know, a successful career and and to, to carry experiences from that, that allowed him to enhance his life rather than destroy it is just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. No, this, this is, it's so important to read things like that, right? Like I'm, I'm reading the Gulag Archipelago at the moment, which is basically this, they're trying to figure out the same problem, right? That him and Frank do, Frankel, they're both trying to figure out that problem of what gets people through the, the most trying times in their life. And, you know, I read one paragraph where he's just listing off the torture methods that the, that the Soviets yeah. would use, you know, during their reign. And, you know, reading stuff like that will just make you think, okay, that's, that's who people are, but that's also who I am. Like I'm, if I'm willing to strengthen myself to such a degree, I, 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 I could bear even the most trying of tortures. And, and, and that's not to belittle what those things are. I mean, the psychological damage that would happen in, in such cases, but I think that the, 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 the benefit of such a philosophy of stoicism of, of 
rehearsing. I mean, there's, there's nothing bad in rehearsing it. It's like, what could possibly come that would be bad from you rehearsing having less in your life, right? It just means that when that right, happens, yeah. you might be a little bit more prepared than other people to deal with it, right? Yeah, I'm not going to rehearse being tortured, but I will rehearse yeah. things like that. You know, I could rehearse things likely to happen to me. Part of that is even mental rehearsal. Like, yeah, uh, what would I do if if my house wasn't there when I came home, uh, we have tornadoes mm-hmm. here in Arkansas that could happen. Uh, and yeah. so let's say a tornado hits your house and then your insurance won't pay for it. Okay. Yeah. That sounds horrible, but I can, I can probably scrape together enough money for a van and we could sleep in there for, you know, like, yeah. like we, yeah. we would, we would make it somehow uh, if that happened, you know, you can, you can think about that. What, what what if it would happen what's if the worst happened could you handle it uh yeah you wouldn't have the same life you have now but would you find happiness in that life i you probably could uh yeah. you know but you but you if you realize that maybe then the st- the stressors of everyday life start to pale and yeah this isn't such a big deal i can handle all kinds yeah. of things if i have to yeah, definitely. It definitely teaches you a lot about yourself, right? And it teaches you that you are capable of of at least figuring out how you can survive. I, I like what Marcus Aurelius said. You know, he said that uh, you'll face today with the same reason that you had yesterday and the day before and the day before that. We're always so worried about what's going to happen next and we're always so frightened of what could come about, right? It's like, look back on your life. Look at how far you've come. Look at what you've survived through. It, nobody gets through life alive. Nature wins 100% of the right. times, but but that, we that seem to manage. Me, that reminds me of, of uh, Seneca talking about treating life, people who think of life as a game rather than having a, a I'll be okay. You know, it's, and it's not, it's not that things will work out in your favor. It's that you can handle what will occur. That's the, yeah. you know, it may, it may not be what you would have chosen, but that's the point. You don't get to choose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, um, and, and if you're always worried about what's going to happen next, that's just like playing a game. What is my opponent going to do now? Where's, where are they going to move yeah. the next chess piece? But if you are confident that even if I, even if I'm checkmated on the next move, it's okay. I'll be all right. You know, that's mm. where I think some more of this confidence comes from. Like I can handle it. Um, yeah. That's, that's rather than always worrying about the next tiny move on the chessboard, you know, that the long haul in the long haul, you'll be okay. Um, yeah. If you stick to those principles. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, Hey, this is, this has been fun. We've made it to the end and we've made it to the final farewell of Seneca. And, uh, and uh, yeah, this, this has been amazing. There's there's so many good lessons in this letter and uh, it's, it's, I think there's a lot that I take away from it. There's still questions that I have, I think that, that I I would like to explore in this letter, but, um, but ultimately good ideas that can help us all to be a little bit stronger and wiser in our lives. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, what are you, what kind of uh, poverty are you going to practice uh, this week? <laughs> well, Simon? I was thinking a, a good exercise might be, you mentioned this kind of um, mental exercise of recognizing where you might, uh, how you might survive in a certain situation. A good way to go about it might be to say, well, what's the absolute uh, uh, 
what what's the smallest amount of money that I could actually live on, right? Even in, in your particular society. And I was thinking I might, I might go away and I might calculate like even when I'm at the store next, you know, be be looking at, um, you know, okay, well, what's the cheapest food that would give me the nourishment that I might need throughout my week that I could buy here, right? That that might, and and it's th- this idea of preparing yourself for, and this is something that I was raised with as well, you know, as when when I, when I grew up in in the Mormon church, uh, you know, something that they always said was, you know, keep a food storage, you know, like he, you know, be prepared for that forty eight hours when the power might go out and you know the roads might be iced and everything goes to chaos so that you can survive at home. But it, I think that there's, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and calculate how little money I could live on for like a week, right, and see 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 if I can do I'm, that. I've heard of the challenge here in the U.S. where um, we have, you know, certain welfare programs that give you so much money to, to live on. Well, figure out what, what would you, what would you get if you were on that program? And can you, mm. can you, can you live on that? I mean, just for now, just, you know, still make your house payment, just ignore that, but just think about yeah. eating. Yeah. Let's just focus on eating for right now. Um, and, and, uh, uh, and then some people I've, I remember reading about people trying that because they were like, well, all these people get all this money for nothing and they're just living high on the hog and they don't have to go to work. And then you realize, <laughs> oh, I get this much milk and a piece of cheese and, oh, I'm going to be hungry. You know, like it's not like yeah. you're eating, uh, eating steak tartare and having fine yeah. champagne with that with that money. It's it's a limiting it's a limited resource. So it's worth, yeah. you know, you can put it into that perspective if you wish. Yeah, definitely. But, uh, I've tried the cold showers occasionally. I'm not a fan, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> but I've tried it. But I think that's the point is you're not supposed to be a fan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, there, I also are, there think are practices. Something that I have noticed is that I've, I've definitely strengthened my character by doing the things that I know I should be looking at internally but they're uncomfortable. So I don't look at them. Right. Like it's, it's that idea from Carl Jung, the things that you most need will be found where you least want to look, you know, I think that there's, there's parts of ourselves that are in need of repair. And if we're willing to actually face them and look at them and go in those directions, then that in itself is an excellent exercise of strengthening yourself and being capable of dealing with what it is that life throws at you. And I often, you know, I, I kind of feel like sometimes we can even fill our life with distractions that seem like they're making a big difference. But if you put your efforts towards the things that you know you should be working on, then you're strengthening your character and you're moving forward, you know, and and fulfilling that potential that's within, you know, I think that's what piano was for me last year was finally sitting down and realizing, okay, this is going to be annoying. I'm going to be crap. It's not going to sound good but I'm going to sit down and I'm going to play and I'm going to, I'm going to have a good time doing it. Um, and I think that when you see the results of that, you realize that you can, the question is almost what's your cold shower. <laughs> what's the right. thing that you're, you're, you're not willing to look at or do, but you need to, that would be good for you personally. Um, but yeah, that's a, that, that's a go out and try it. People see what you can use to strengthen yourself, to be more capable, uh, in, in all the various uh, transformations of your life. And, uh, for all of the Sunday Stoic listeners, carpe diem. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the practical Stoic podcast. 
Remember that you can support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash Simon J.E. Drew. There you'll gain access to many exclusive episodes that haven't been released yet, as well as over 200 episodes recorded before 2020. If you'd like to work one-on-one with me as you move towards your ideal, then you can go to simonjedrew.com forward slash coaching. But for now, I'll talk to you next time.